Here's a resolution I would like you to make. Here it is. In the coming year, I resolve to respond to the revelation of God in keeping with the precedent. I was going to say president, but you might get the wrong idea. Precedent set by the shepherds who responded to the revelation of the birth of Christ. Let me repeat that proposition. In the coming year, I resolve to respond to the revelation of God in keeping with the precedent set by the shepherds who responded to the revelation of the birth of Christ. I guarantee you that if you follow through with this resolve, it will transform your life in 2011. By the end of 2011, you will be definitely a new creation. Now, a precedent is an act or instance or event that we may use as an example, a model, or a pattern in dealing with subsequent similar issues. It sets a pattern, a direction, a model, a standard for us. I propose to you then that the narrative in Luke chapter 2 concerning the birth of Jesus Christ provides us with a divine precedent for the new year with regard to the kind of response we should resolve to make with reference to the word of God in this coming year. God's written revelation to us demands a response. I'm saying to you that the response of the shepherds to the revelation by God of the birth of Christ gives us a standard, a pattern, a precedent for us in our response to the word. In other words, the events in this passage teach us how we should respond to hearing the word of God in this new year, and especially as it relates to the revelation concerning the person of Jesus Christ. Now, verses 1 through 12 of Luke 2 gives us the account of the birth of the Savior. It includes the revelation of his birth to the shepherds by the angels, the heavenly messengers. The angel was sent as God's communicator of his revelation. The angel was the agent of God's revelation to them concerning Jesus Christ. The response to this revelation, I say, and I will keep repeating this, because I want you to see I'm drawing this from the word of God. The response to this revelation by the shepherd sets an example, a precedent, a set of principles for us as well. And so we're going to pick up this narrative now. You say Christmas is over. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. God is always with us. And that's what Christmas is all about, isn't it? Emmanuel, God with us. So let's read this passage. I'm going to ask you to read it from the screen together with us. Are we all ready? All right. And suddenly there appeared with the angel... A multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about, the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And found Mary, Joseph, and the baby as he lay in the manger. And seeing this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the prophets. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Amen. In this passage, then, we see both heaven and earth responding to the revelation of the birth of Jesus Christ. Both angel and man, and a woman. And their individual and collective responses constitute our divinely designed precedent for our response to poor divine revelation. In other words, what they did, we should do. Immediately following the announcement by the one angel, there was a heavenly response by a host of angels. One translation says, the armies of God. Listen to the words in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. I say again that this sets an example for us for whom Christ was born. He was born to take away the sins of the world. If we truly understand the significance of the life, the death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, if we truly understand what happened when this little baby was born, Christmas and all of life should become a time of thankful praise and worship to God. Because God is always with us. And if we truly understand what happened when God became a baby, we would worship him all the time. I want you to notice the nature of the response of the shepherds in this passage. It was an act of praise and adoration to God. An act of praise and adoration to God. So... Right away we see an example, we see it present here. What should be our response when we are exposed to the revelation of God? Praise and adoration. Why? Because the God of the universe is speaking to us. Shh, listen. The God of the universe is speaking to his creatures. didn't have to speak to us. He didn't have to reveal himself to us. He's God. He's set apart from us. But he did. And rather than responding with indifference and unconcern 
We should respond with praise and adoration. That's the first thing we see here. He responded with praise and adoration. And this is manifested in three things in this passage. First of all, the revelation recognized God as the divine giver of Christ. The divine giver of Christ, who is the supreme, indescribable gift of God, which more than anything else, manifests his glory and his love. In other words, when we look at Jesus, we should see God's love being manifested. We should see his glory being manifested because this was the first time for over 500 years that the Shekinah glory of God was seen on earth. It was when Jesus Christ was born in that manger and the glory of God appeared once more among men. The divine revelation recognized God as a divine giver of Jesus Christ, demonstrating his love, manifesting his glory. Do you see that? Do you understand that? That's what we are to experience when we receive the revelation from God. He's manifesting his glory to us and his love. But second, it also revealed and focused on the design purpose of the gift. This gift brought peace to man. This gift brought peace to man. The peace among men mentioned here includes all, all aspects of peace. Peace with God because of his death. The peace of God because we trust in him. And the peace among men because we allow him to rule in our hearts. This Peace that Jesus Christ came to bring is a peace that embraces all of our life, all the time. It came through Jesus Christ. One day, universal peace will be experienced because of the birth, the birth of this baby. It brought peace. What a revelation! What a revelation that is! But thirdly, it also revealed the recipients of this peace. It says, with whom God is well pleased. They're the ones who receive this peace. Peace with God, peace of God, peace among men, universal peace. Those with whom God is well pleased. Now who are they? Oh yes, God is a God of grace, my friends, but he's not pleased with all men. You, know, you realize that? He's not pleased with you in your sin. When you lie and when you steal and when you drink and get drunk and you use drugs and you are unfaithful to your husband, unfaithful to your wife, when you dis he is not pleased with you. But he is pleased with those who place their faith in the one whom he sent to take away the sins of the world. Now, I want you to understand here that it's very important to see that the response of the shepherds was a result of the news that the angels brought. It was not a result of seeing the angels. You see, we like to put a lot of emphasis today upon experiences, what happens to us. But the focus here is not the shepherds responding to the angels, 
and what they saw, their response is what they heard from the messengers that came from God. You understand that? That's an important thing here to understand. It is not miraculous experiences that changes men and women. It's the word of God and the spirit of God that brings about change. I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what the angels brought. Why? Because it. What it? The news, the good news is the power of of God. You got it? You get the message? It's the Word of God that changes lives. The power of God to change lives resides in the Gospel, the Word of God, in the revelation of God. That's why the Word tells us where there is no revelation from God, the people go astray. They do their own thing because there's no revelation. From God. I say again, this is a vital truth to bear in mind in this day of emotionalism and claims to all kinds of spiritual experiences that often are in direct contradiction and conflict with the Word of God. I say again, it is the power of God through the Holy Spirit as manifested in and through His Word, not personal experiences, no matter how good, no matter how meaningful they are, but it's only the Spirit of God using His Word that transforms a life. That's the revelation of God. The response of the shepherds to the good news about the Savior's birth was the result of the proclamation of the word from God, not the experience of seeing the angels. I believe that this provides a good analogy for our need to hear the word of God on a regular basis. And as a result of that, act on the word that we hear, the revelation that we hear. And this is the burden of this message today. Our need to respond to divine revelation. The first thing to note in this president setting way to respond to the revelation of God by the shepherds is that we must respond to divine revelation. That's the first thing. God doesn't speak to us just to take up time. Or in his case, take up eternity. He doesn't just speak because he got nothing else to do. This isn't just a haphazard thing. When the God of the universe, when the God who inhabits eternity breaks through into time to speak to us, we better listen. We better listen. You talking about get a message from outer space? We got it. They have scientists spending all kinds of money right now, sending little tweet, 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 seeing somebody on the back, tweet, 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 tweet. We got that. Here, God took the initiative. We have it today. We must respond to this message. But now notice the nature of this response by the shepherds. First, they responded enthusiastically. 
The, the news that they heard from the shepherds immediately became the topic of discussion among them. It dominated the discussion. They stopped talking about little lamb and sheep and mutton and all of that. They stopped talking about those things. Whenever I realized I wanted they knew anything about curry. You think so? But they stopped talking about that. They weren't talking about those. You know what they were talking about? Once that revelation came, they started to talk about the message they heard. They started to talk about the message they heard. And they were enthusiastic about it. Perhaps you need to make a resolution right now. That when you hear the word of God, you are going to respond enthusiastically. And that will be demonstrated by what you talk about after you hear it. Think about it now when you leave here. What's going to be the topic of discussion? Rose Pastelli. <laughs> You're going to be talking about the person, the man. Okay? Not the shepherds. They weren't talking so much about the angels. They were talking about the message that the angels brought. You understand what I'm saying? And this shows enthusiasm. And maybe that's how you need to approach 2011. That when the word of God is revealed to you, taught to you, Sunday school class, in a message service like this, Bible class, whatever it is. But when the word of God is revealed to you, you are going to be enthusiastic. And that's going to be shown by what you talk about after you hear it. One of the most distressing things for me many times and uncomfortable times is to be amongst to be amongst a bunch of Christians and they never talk about Christ. Oh yeah, football. Oh boy. Basketball. Oh yeah. Even college. Oh yeah. Even Greek. Right, Terrence? Right. That's all they talk about. That shows that they did not receive the message. They didn't. If you receive a divine message from God, it's going to take up your time. You're going to talk about it. And so too often people go to church to hear the truth of the word, whether the new truth or old truth, they already know. They may or they may not listen, but even if they do listen, even take notes in effort to retain it, they don't apply to their lives. And so the divine revelation, in a sense, makes no impact on you. None at all. They forget what God says. For instance, Isaiah 66. But to this one I will look. To him who is humble and contrite of spirit. And listen now. And who tremble at my word. Did you get that? To this one will I look. To him who is humble and contrite of spirit. And who tremble at my word. That's what happened to the, to, the, to the shepherds. They heard that word and they began to talk about it. And they were in awe. How do you respond to the word of God when you hear it? What does the truth mean to your life? When you hear the revelation of God. What should you be doing differently because you heard a revelation from God? How does it reflect? How does it impact your relationship with God? 
with your loved one, with your enemies. Does it make any difference? But look at the text again. Not only did they respond enthusiastically, they responded with excitement. The text says they began saying, and Terence, check me out on this. I got Terence is my advisor now because he's learning Greek now. They began saying, this is what is called a progressive imperfect tense in the Greek. Progressive imperfect tense. And so instead of merely stating the fact of their conversation at a given point, like it's like a snapshot, you know, you take a picture and all you get is that moment. The shot is snapped. But now if you take a movie, that goes on. You understand what I'm saying? It continues. That's what began saying means. It means that they began to talk about Jesus and they kept on talking about Jesus. They were so excited they couldn't stop talking about the one that the message spoke about. They kept on talking. They were excited about the word of God. Are you excited about the word of God? I mean really excited? Most people are not. They're bored. They come in the meeting and I sit down, you know the first thing they look at? As soon as they sit down? They don't look at the Bible. The first thing they sit down, because they want to see what time you can stop. Excited? No. No sense of the fact, hey, that this revelation we're talking about comes from God. It shows His glory. It shows His Power. It shows that He is the Creator, the Savior. It shows that He is the Omnipotent One. And this One is speaking to me. This Holy One is speaking to a sinner. None of that is there. Oh well, I wonder what you can talk about now. These shepherds were excited. Do you prepare yourself to receive the revelation of God when you come to a meeting like this or a Bible? Do you prepare yourself? It takes preparation. Some folk will come and never take a note. Never. Some will even not ever open the Bible. Bless me. Uh, they could be living all kinds of sinful lives, you know. They could be lying, stealing, thiefing, backbiting, all of that. Showing all kinds of animosity towards others, not forgiving. And they come back down and say, now Lord, bless me. And when the Lord bring the revelation, say, you're a sinner, you need to confess. They get slapped instead. And what do they want to do? I'm going to change no man. He's only preaching fire and brimstone. They don't want to receive the revelation from God. They want to receive what they want to hear. You understand? And that's... What's happening today? Some people wonder why it is that we don't advertise our services in the newspapers over the radio and TV. Some people have asked me that. The answer is very simple. I believe a good product sells itself. In other words, satisfied customers tell others. Isn't that right? 
So why should I advertise? Come to Calvary Bible Church, the most friendly church in the world. And you come in here and not one person shake your hand. You know, in some places you could be sued for false advertising. Come to Calvary Bible Church and hear a man of God preach the word of God, gifted teacher. And they come here and they don't have a gifted teacher. False advertising. What's my point? My point is this. If God is blessing you through his word or any other means here, you should be proclaiming it with excitement. If you are not, that means that you are not getting what you believe you want. No, you're not getting what God wants you to get. But thirdly, the shepherd's altar responded with purpose. They responded purposefully. Notice what it says. Let us go straight and see. Look at the principle now. Let us go straight and see. They had received a divine revelation from God. They responded to it. It gave direction and purpose to their actions. The principle then is this. God's word always reorients the direction of our lives. It changes direction when we receive revelation from God. That's what happened with these shepherds. The direction of their life was changed. In the light of this news from the angels, the revelation from God, they developed specific goals that controlled and directed the behavior and pursuits. They were going to look for this baby, and they were going to look for the signs that it was the Messiah. They had a purpose, they had direction, and it all came from the revelation of God. Do you want to know what God's will is for your life? Read the word of God. Respond to the revelation of God. Then you know. What are your goals for this new year as a Christian? I'm not talking about making money. I'm not talking about even losing weight, like me. I told the doctor the other day, I lost some weight. He said, what you mind? What you mean? I said, I lost my mind. He said, well, that didn't make you much. <laughs> what are your desires? What are your goals for this year? Do, do, do they go beyond self-centered interests? Are they oriented around God's design for your life to become Christ-like? Have you made any plans at all that will make you a little bit more Christ-like this year than you were last year? If you enter 2011 the same way you were in 2010, you better check to see if you're a Christian. Because a Christian is always changing. Becoming Christ-like. Going from glory to glory. And if there's no change, maybe there's no life. You understand what I'm saying? You cannot remain the same in character if you are a Christian. You cannot remain the same in character that you were before you became a Christian. It's impossible. Your character has to be changed. Or else regeneration and be born again don't make sense. Look at these shepherds. What was their purpose? Their purpose was to see the Christ child. 
That was the purpose. To see the Christ child. Their purpose in life now, their orientation was changed. What was it? Now, they want to see Jesus. And everything they did from the time they heard the revelation from God was to find Jesus. It was not to carry on their occupation or even put food on the table. It was not even to make converts, as important as these things may be. No, their purpose was to see and to know Jesus Christ. But many Christians are going to enter 2011 in a gerbil-like way. You know what a gerbil is? There's one of these little rodents or whatever they got in a little cage. And they got this furs real type of a thing. And you got this gerbil. You know what he's doing all the time? You got a lot of gerbil Christians. They're doing the same thing over and then going nowhere. They ain't going nowhere. Doing the same thing, same thing, same thing. No direction, no purpose in life. Let me tell you something. Maybe you should make a resolve today that you are going to look for Jesus Christ so you could become more like him. Jesus Christ is the very revelation of God. How do we know about God? By knowing Jesus Christ. He said that. Listen, John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Notice that. Whom you have sent. When did he send him? On our first Christmas day. Know him, the one that was sent. Know him and you know God. You know the triune God. If you know Jesus Christ. And so as you face a new year with your compass, which is the Bible, examine yourself. Where have you been in 2010? Is your compass now set with the north, with the needle pointing to Jesus Christ? And you're going to do everything to seek after him? But something else, fourthly, these shepherds acted immediately. They acted immediately. Notice that they said, let us go straight. That means let us go right now. Straight. Nothing's going to stop us. Let us go straight to Bethlehem. And then verse 16 it says, and they came in haste. You see that? They heard the revelation from God and they acted immediately. They acted in haste. Many of you have heard the word of God. He's spoken to you, told you what to do, but you're procrastinating. You're going straight nowhere as far as God is concerned. Hmm. You see, that's because you don't appreciate where the revelation came from. Or who it came from. And what it means to your life. And so procrastination. Putting things off until tomorrow. Often results in not getting them done at all. Or at best. Getting them done when it's too late to do it. A lot of us have good intentions. 
But we have no determination, we have no purpose, we have no commitment, we have no devotion. We come sidetracked by work, by laziness, by indifference, by pleasure, by business, by hobbies, even by families at times. Host of other things. But we get sidetracked away from seeking after God. Not these shepherds. They found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby. Because they acted without delay. I suggest that you need to make a resolve to obey the word of God immediately. That God speaks to you. The fifth, they responded with determination. The text says, they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. Now, again, this is where a little bit of the knowledge of Greek comes in. It gives you the eye of determination. See the word found? They found their way. This is what is called a compound verb. Two letters, two, two words. It comes from a preposition meaning up or upwards. And a verb meaning to discover or to find. And when you put it together, you get an idea of searching up and down, looking up and down and everywhere for something. In order to find it, it, what you're looking for. Up and down everywhere. You're looking for something because it's important. That's what this word means. They were looking. You don't think they, yeah, yeah, they were looking. They had to find, where is this little manger? And remember, they had a sign that's going to be wrapped in cloths. And so we see a desire. We even see a hunger here at first. To find this baby, this Jesus. They were looking up and down. Determination to find the message, the one that the message spoke of. That's what God means. He says, seek and you shall find. You see, too many Christians believe that, well, I sought the Lord and I got saved and I ain't got to find him no more. Oh, yeah? Remember the psalmist says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? These lowly shepherds, in response to the revelation of God, went to appear before the baby who was God incarnate and they found him because they searched with him with great determination what are you going to give your strength your efforts to this year your money your finance any bible studies are you planning on buying any kinds of help to help you to understand the bible come to tell you Osman we're going to be starting in a week or so on a theology course, how to know more about God, how to know more about His Word. And for Calvary, I you ain't got to pay too much. Come give a little donation. But most of you still is not going to take advantage of it. Oh yeah, you'll go pay a lot of money to go to the movies to show all kinds of things. You'll even go fly to the United States to see a ball game, but you're not going to spend any money to learn how to study the revelation from God who speaks to us from outer space. You're not going to do that. You see, you're not following the pattern laid down by these shepherds. 
who received this revelation from God and they received it with excitement. They received it with enthusiasm. They went after the determination and applying it and they did it immediately. Now we have to end here, unfortunately. Isn't that something? To talk about a revelation like this, we got to end because some of you are already a little uneasy in your seat because, listen, 12 o'clock is gone, the Holy Spirit is left. But if you go to the end of this passage, you'll find also that the result of all of this response is that they responded in worship, praising and glorifying God. When we come to a service like this or to a Bible class or to Bible study or um, um, what do we call those little groups you have, mini churches, and you hear the word of God, it should always result in worship, in praise and worship. That's how we should respond in 2011 to the revelation that God has given us. The shepherds have given us a pattern, a precedent, a set of principles, a standard as to how we should respond. My question to you is, will you respond in that fashion in 2011? Father, thank you for your revelation. May we respond as the shepherds did. And all of God's people said, Amen.